0: Welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. Dr. David Miller, N.D. here. Michelle Pubega, N.D. What's up?
1: Hey, Dave. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. Very good. Yes. Good. I mean it. it. Great. I I love the enthusiasm. (laughs) I had a
0: lot of coffee today.
1: Ah. Uh, What are we going to talk about today, Dave?
0: Oh, we are going to talk about something that is potent (laughs) and pricey.
1: And, quite and very precious. spicy and precious and spicy and quite yeah. precious like honestly it is yeah. it, it, it like once you start to understand it you're like that is quite a precious little spice that's very why nice did it,
0: honestly I don't know why it took me so long to fall in love with possibly one of the most beautiful looking spices slash herbs uh, which we're talking about today and that's saffron
1: yeah so you brought this to the attention so like what kind of grabbed your attention about this recently?
0: I don't know. It's a mix of, um, mix of many inputs. Uh, there's new science, Mm -hmm. uh, coming out. I think I saw a while ago, saffron was, uh, equal to methylphenidate in a, in a study for ADHD. Um, that, that hit me pretty, pretty hard. There's a lot of ADHD going on. Uh, you know, you don't have to look too far for that. Nope. Um, I think it was, I have a patient who, uh, why did I give it to this man? I don't know. Um, You know, you make these decisions sometimes, you know, you make these decisions sometimes. You use your left brain and then use your right brain and then there's circumstance filters in and God knows some inspiration or alignment of the stars. And I had had, um, a man come in who's very low and has a history probably of being like quite anxious and everything for a like long time low, low mood yeah yeah sorry depressed depressed Got it. and it, it's a it's a kind of depression which you see subsequent to hyper excitability and i think you'll you'll agree you've probably seen that where someone is in some kind of like hyper excitatory nervous system uh mode for a long time because anxiety is you know it drains you a bit and then he's just flat and he and there's as darkness there's like darkness and he, nothing's really going well for him there's been, there's been some loss in his life um and he lost his job and he doesn't have much money at all and it's just not so good and and i i put all my eggs in one basket of saffron and um he he keeps refilling it i know it's it's helping him i don't see him very much right because of the uh cost uh, prohibition or you know prohibited sort of like in terms of cost yeah. to see him a lot but he keeps refilling it and um and then I gave another uh another guy who's kind of like lower affect um some saffron recently and and he's also done really well so it's a it's a very uplifting kind of herb and it's very sexy looking too i think that's part of it
1: <laughs> it is if you actually like look the plant up it's just like incredibly potent purple plant with bright yellow like part of the stigmas are yellow and then
0: red red
1: these little bright reddish orange tentacly type of stigmas that come out too and that is basically the saffron it's a really stunning looking plant in all fairness but uh absolutely
0: beautiful right and it was used, i think for clothes right isn't that one of the old world uses uses well i mean
1: it comes across for a lot of stuff because it's honestly been around for forever so when i was looking into this a little bit there was um it seems to have been around since since, it seems to from like time immemorial in some in some place you know what i mean it's one of those things that's been around for forever i even found that uh And it's been known for its therapeutic properties for a long time. Apparently, it's been illustrated in paintings found on the island of Santorini that date back to like 1627 BC. That's a long time ago. (laughs) Um, It's also included in catalogs of medicinal plants in the European pharmacopoeias um, as being part of a a huge number of like compounded formulas from like the 16th to the 20th century. Um, Medicinal and pharmaceutical use of this plant, I think, dwindled when synthetic chemical synthetically chemical produced drugs really became rampant in our world but it's interesting that it's making a really fierce comeback and i think that's pretty awesome but like it's been around for a while uh, like for a really long time and it's a part of like a ton of cultures so it kind of spans europe to maybe like certain parts of asia india kind of vibe um and it's 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 kind of it's kind of amazing. It's been a part of so many different things. I found some stuff where um, apparently, I guess Cleopatra used to used to bathe in saffron infused mare's milk before seeing a suitor. Like it's been used for like interesting things aside from cooking. like it's been used for perfumes for 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 drinks, for curries, for desserts. From like India to like Paella and Spain to Iran, it's used in a lot of Persian cooking. Um, Afghanistan uses things too, but like I find that it's so interesting that it's like Cleopatra wanted to bathe in it, and there's like uses of it drawn in Santorini for pharmacological purposes in sixteen, you know, 7, 1600 BC. I was like, that's pretty. It's actually it's pretty interesting how it's been around for so long. That this Probably- that this that this plant has even survived that many years on
0: this world (laughs) but like from from iran is probably where i think of it Uh, Yeah, persian yeah and i I had some i had some persian buddies in in university i remember going he took me to uh, one of my good buddies took me to persian restaurant and the rice was uh had saffron in it and there was i think another dish it's absolutely beautiful it's a beautiful
1: Um, color yeah
0: so, so we're talking about Iran being kind of like Fertile Crescent. We're talking about sort of as old as civilization sort of gets. So seems not to be. new.
1: It seems to be. And it's like wildly expensive. And yeah. part of the reason for that is because it's extremely, it's a, a very like precocious period to harvest it. Like you have like, you can only do it once a year. It's in the autumn. You maybe have like a two to three weeks Precocious week span. period. Yeah. Did I use that word correctly? I thought I sounded smart. Did it work? I don't know. I don't know. Is that just right? Just
0: limited. It's did very I, limited. And I like did it. I, Whatever. Did I
1: use it correctly? Or did I just whatever. complete it? Whatever. Anyways, it's a very, it's a very like <laughs> tiny window to be able to use it. Yes. It's like, right. Um, and they can only be like, it, it has to, it has special weather conditions in hot, dry climates. They need full sun like three years of plantation, like it's it's crazy. And then you have like a 10, 8, 10 to 20 day autumn window to harvest it. Um, Which is very
0: difficult, apparently, and labor intensive.
1: Very labor intensive because it has to be done by hand, I guess. And I think like a flower only blooms for 48 hours. Where did I see that? Something wild like that. And I'm like, oh yeah, each flower lives for only 48 hours. They open early in the morning, but will wilt with full sun and requires harvesters to collect them by hand as quickly as possible um and three stigmas are maybe removed by hand dried and packaged and it can take up to 70,000 saffron flowers to make 1 pound of saffron spice oh yeah and Which that's why it's expensive, expensive. <laughs> exactly
0: exactly <laughs> So yeah. I I'm going to I'm going to give away some of the the basic sort of uh traditional uses on the whole and this you know there would be like uh Persian you know old Persian texts would would have uh traditional information uh they would have uh traditional information in uh more of the traditional um books of Indian or like what is India now uh medicines like Unani and uh, probably Ayurveda. I didn't see anything Ayurveda, but there, it is in Unani or Umami. I forget. No, that's the name of it, Unani. And then also in Chinese medicine, uh, which is maybe sort of the uh, just the the extent of it, right? That far East. So traditional use generally across the board. I would say there's a you could pick a lot of different uses but the if you look across the board and look for some commonalities it seems to be nerve sedation anticonvulsant everything to do with the nervous system and and if if all you want to know is that you can stop listening now. Basically, nervous system. <laughs> if you're just like, I want to listen and get what get to the point, Dave, it's anything to do with the nervous system where the nervous system has been hyperactive or maybe uh, subjected to excitotoxic conditions, uh, too much anxiety, twitchings, really nerve sedation and anticonvulsant. If you think of those, those two things, that really sums up a lot of the essence of how you're probably going to see uh, saffron useful clinically.
1: I'm seeing it in like, for, for that reason too, like, yes, nerves and stuff, but I guess that also just translates also to how it helps with mood. Cause a lot of people are unnerved
0: <laughs> yeah. these
1: days. Right. So I'm seeing it a little bit more in, mood supportive type of formulas, like your man with your, your client, or patient with the low mood, bits of anxiety. Um, I'm seeing it in some of those types of hermoformulations formulations now, like it's coming up more in naturopathic type of supplement products. I'm seeing it pop in a bit more. And that seems to be one area that I specifically noticed it.
0: I think another reason I've, you know, those, those patients always make you sort of, uh, they're the biggest reason for you to to try and learn more and, and learn from them. Um, but I, I, am just seeing, I need something relatively reliable in terms of neural protection. Mm. And I don't know if you see that in your practice too, Michelle, but it just seems like, okay, I can do some of these, uh, I'll do some of these cranial, uh, things. I can do some uh, osteopathic things to maybe, uh, mobilize dura and nerves I, I you know I, I every week I'll probably mobilize brachial plexus or maybe the sciatic nerve or femoral nerve. like there's some there's some manual techniques uh, mm. that are very helpful. However, having something that is like a uh, a biochemical intervention to be neuroprotective for the sort of biochemistry that we live in is is really key and and i I do like Boswellia, um, you know, there's other neuroprotective uh, interventions. Um, but this one really strikes me as as probably going to be the one that I'll rely on the most for its sort of um, yeah, neuroprotective anti-inflammatory uh, effects. Yeah,
1: and I mean, yeah, I agree.
0: well, here's here's some of the stuff that's been studied. <laughs> I was like,
1: it just yes.
0: <laughs> Here's some of the stuff it's been studied for. Anti-cancer, anti-depressant, anti-Parkinson's, anti-Alzheimer, anti-convulsant, anti-ischemic, anti-hypertensive, anti-genotoxic, uh, anti, like an antidote. Actually, the, it's been studied as an antidote against snake venoms and uh, aquilamide and other uh, uh, carcinogens. Anti-tussive hypolipidemic, antioxidant, antinociceptive, and anti-inflammatory. So those are just some of the pharmacological activities that are being studied, have been studied, mm. which which gets confusing, right? Because you kind of, okay, well, what are you? You know, when you say you're like 10, to 15 things, well, what are you? But I think when you think systemically or when you think clinically, you go, this person needs neuroprotection. You can sort of tell um, Uh, I can tell if it, you know, if they've got headaches and if there's tingling and numbness and all, you can, you can sort of put it together uh, whether someone needs something for their nerves. And, and one of the, one of the ways to, um, to, I don't that I assess people is, is it the nerves or is it the blood? And, and you can, you know, you can, even in Chinese medicine, we've got different uh, ways of looking at nerve issues versus blood issues. Remember blood's like cramping, stabbing, pain. Um, you can use those those perspectives and I find if if all of your perspectives lead to nerves as being part of what's going on in this person, if it hurts to touch their head, the back of their the back of their head hurts underneath the occiput if you press it, they kind of get like a nervy feeling like you got to think about the nerves at some point and that's when um, you got to think about saffron That was a rant, wasn't it?
1: was good i enjoyed it i have nothing to add to that
0: (laughs) okay so um you know some of the some of the mechanisms in which uh they're look i've looked at some papers just to sort of back up what we're doing here um some of the the sort of pharmacological mechanisms sort of support this idea of neural protection uh against excitotoxic uh environments in in the nervous system and one of the ways they work is monoamine reuptake inhibition uh mm-hmm. and then NMDA receptor antagonism so NMDA are the receptors that respond to glutamate and remember glutamate is a excitotoxic neurotoxic M- you know that's what MSG is that's why you got to be careful if you're MSG yep. tastes yummy um and uh GABA agonism so GABA is just like remember GABA is just sort of one of the few in terms of my cursory understanding of the neurophysiology of this stuff cuz it's not super deep but it's you know i, I GABA is the one I know is gonna sort of slow down the nervous system a little bit. Not that you can't operate heavy machinery, but it it it's the it's the brakes for the nervous system. So it's the brakes for the nervous system, it it antagonizes something that's excitotoxic, the NMDA receptor, and may support serotonin, uh uh dopamine, um epinephrine, norepinephrine. So it's it's got pleiotropic effects, but you can see again, probably the the oomph of it, the main sort of uh the main sort of uh thing that it's doing is is supporting those who are in more of a wired. That's another one you could say, more yeah. of a wired state.
1: Yeah. I'm just looking at a PubMed article and it says the activity of saffron in the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system, but it seems to highlight mostly things central, but it says biological activity of these molecules in the system have been studied for over two decades. So there's two decades worth of papers and it actually has like a whole bunch of references for this. There's probably like seven or eight references that they that they list for this. Um, and then they did highlight various things. I'm just gonna read the, the headings. So effects on memory and learning, effects on Alzheimer's disease, effects on Parkinson's disease, effects on cerebral ischemia, effects on CNS tumors, Age-related macular degeneration, effects on multiple sclerosis, um, and they said antioxidant protection is possible therapy because of this, uh, effects on nerve damage. This is, I guess, more peripheral, uh, secondary to diabetes, as well as its antidepressant and anxiolytic effects. Cool. That's a pretty awesome list.
0: <laughs> it is. and And again, you can extract, like if you had to extract the essence of it, it seems to be hmm. nerves and more the sort of wired state. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, yeah, the, and the- yeah,
1: you're right. It has the inhibitory effects on the monoamine uptake inhibitors, but it's also the antioxidant effects that I think that are the most important as well. In addition to the inhibitory effects, I think it's, a, it's, it's, it's the two things together that I think probably has a lot of the effect because a lot of uh, cognitive stuff is going to be worse. If there's an oxidative damage, your Absolutely. body cannot keep up with the oxidative the oxidative burdens on this. So just to piggyback on my glutathione talk that I did previously, or for the last episode, this is a lot to do with why chronic disease develops, or why cells begin to die or not function well. Yeah. And um, I think the inhibitory, because a lot of people are just like wound up right now, emotionally, stimulatory, stress response, all that kind of stuff. But also the antioxidants effects. The the, the dualistic properties of those two things, I think, are probably why it's so golden.
0: So, so for those um, who need to be propped up more by evidence than others, uh, we have all got different degrees of needs for that. Here's sort of the, some of the breakdown of like the newer, the newer evidence, the best Mm -hmm. evidence appear, it appears in terms of like, for those who love double blind, placebo controlled, you know, whatever, whatever, all the multi center trial, blah, blah, blah. Um, the best evidence appears to be for depression, and it's even gone toe-to-toe with imipramine and fluoxetine in head-to-head trials and come up uh, equally. Um, I know,
1: that's the cool part. That's that. wild.
0: It I love head-to-head cool. trials. I wish more, like, like a, a trial where you go against standard of care or a head-to-head with a pharmaceutical. I think that's such a great way to sort of um, strut your stuff if you're trying to say that your your stuff works.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um Less evidence, but possibly effective or effective uh, equally, but not as proven in the evidence. You know, body as of yet would be probably coexisting anxiety and depression, again, leading to that idea where it seems like excitotoxic uh, sort of background or anxious sort of backgrounds or just uh, wired kind of uh, stressed wired thing um, that can sort of uh, coexist with depression or maybe on its own because anxiety, it looks like it does help a little bit with that. Um also less evidence, but there's at least I, I saw at least three trials, I think on sleep quality. <clears throat> and so they had metrics for this for the sleep quality um but but the most uh reproducible effect was just like a non-specific, and this comes comes back maybe Michelle to what you're talking about with like the neuroprotective from from being uh, you know antioxidant maybe stopping NRF2 and all these other you know uh, pathways uh, yeah. that lead to neurodegeneration. The the thing that was coming back is that the people they had more vigor the next day. Like it's actually a thing you can sort of subjectively measure is like how good you feel the next day, and that's one of my main ways actually that I evaluate people's sleep. I say, how do you feel when you wake up?
1: Yeah. You feel like shit when you wake up? Yeah, you feel like shit when you wake up. I
0: don't care about and not that I don't care, but that's a that's that's data. And so people were tending to wake up with more energy and feeling more rested, which if you're a patient, you probably care more about that than like I had improved RAM latency, you know, like that's great, but do I feel better? And so that's what that it looks like there's a trend towards uh, definite help with sleep quality. And then, you know, like we've talked about this a million times, but if you're sleeping better then what's not going to get a little bit better. Um,
1: not, not a whole, not, like not a lot is no, I don't think nothing is going to suffer when you sleep better. Oh yeah. Like, no, nothing will suffer and many things will improve. The like, beneficial, just...
0: <laughs> The beneficial tentacles of sleep are yeah. broad and deep. Yeah. Um, wow, that rhymed. I didn't even mean to do that. Um,
1: you're a better word than me because I, I totally didn't use that word correct <laughs> earlier when I tried to try to be fancy. I'm not a linguist.
0: <laughs> you're, you're, you're pretty good, though. You're pretty good. Now, listen, Um, maybe maybe some uh, small form of ADHD was getting the better of you. I don't know. Do you have an ADHD? Do you, have, do you have any add yeah i got. not does
1: everyone have a little bit of that because i feel like technology has all modeled us to have like very little attention span these I days. i
0: feel like that's life i'm looking at two yeah. screens and i have my iphone on well anyway Content. adhd is another thing uh mm-hmm. in which they've they've tested uh saffron and in one study and again the people who love to be propped up only by evidence-based massive studies which are only going to be there if there's massive money but anyway there there was a (laughs) there was a study that showed uh the efficacy of saffron to be comparable to that of methylphenidate um saffron was more effective for treating the hyperactivity symptoms while methylphenidate was more effective for the inattention symptoms so there must be i would imagine uh some effect on dopamine if that's happening hmm well, mm-hmm. I
1: mean, it. Hold on, where was that thing? Because it did also mention Parkinson's in this list. Oh yeah. So hold on a second. Let me just go back and, and actually look about what's going on there. You you discuss things, and I'm going to take. Okay. A look at this. I
0: I, I thought the, I was looking for like really really recent studies too, and I thought this was interesting um, that they tested, and this is this is cool. They tested, uh, this is the title, the effect of crocus sativus L saffron herbal tea on happiness in post menopausal women, a randomized controlled trial. Uh, I thought that was cool. Cause when I saw happiness, I was like, okay, that's a subjective measure in a way, but like, what more is there? <laughs> you know, like if, if something makes you happier and it's healthy, that's good. So it did show that, uh, a saffron herbal tea, uh, had this positive effect. And, um, increased a happiness score so I'm sure you can poke holes in that all you want but I I think the the trend of the of the uh evidence here is that it's got like this kind of nourishing um yeah. aspect to it and that was a T te- and and I we should say there is some probable bias in the studies because they the the vast majority of them come from Iran right and that's yeah. where it's produced so uh, yes we'll keep that in mind you know, there's a little bit of bias there, but there's a little bit of bias when you study a vaccine too. So I, I, you know, I said the V word, am I allowed?
1: I don't know. Maybe we'll get flagged. We'll see. We'll
0: see what happens.
1: Too late now. (laughs) (laughs) It's out Uh, into the ether. (laughs) Whatever. Um, Just looking at the Parkinson's article, just FYI, there was a study conducted, on uh, hemiparkinsonian rats and in the intraperitoneal administration of several doses of cro- crocotin or crocitin. that's one of the active ingredients from um, saffron, over seven days protected the levels of thiobarbituric acid, a substance, a reactive substance in the substantia nigra. So I guess it helps protect against, I guess, like some proxidative cool. damage. And then cool. another one, they studied saffron extract on the dopaminergic cells in a mouse model with induced parkinsons concluding that pretreatment with saffron protects many of the substantia nigra pars compacta god i love these words yeah so it looks like it's more like uh substantia nigra type of effects there maybe some dopaminergic i've got effect. another
0: patient i'm thinking of already thank you for yeah. that michelle
1: yeah you're welcome
0: um so <clears throat> the the three main chemical compounds just for the nerds uh that that are sort of responsible for the color, taste, and odor are crocins, picrocrocin, and safranal. And I think there's a product by uh, AOR which I'm um, which I'm stocking, which is um, standardized to two percent safranal. So safranal must be mm-hmm. part of the um, the efficacy, and also give it a yeah. bit of the odor if there is and an odor. And
1: theirs, I believe, theirs is specific for mood the AOR product it's specifically meant for mood or that's how it's targeted Mm -hmm. is for the neurotransmitter booster booster type effects for healthy mood but it also begins to talk about how it helps with like improving libido and stuff too for both men and women but I guess like if you're depressed you also don't have a libido
0: yeah and there's a and and there's also you know issues I don't know about uh biological females but uh there's some use for biological males if uh with performance, uh, maybe premature ejaculation, being related to anxious states and Mm -hmm. uh, dysfunctions in your monoamines, Mm -hmm. you know, your dopamine, serotonin. I wonder if that's where it works. Because it is,
1: there are a couple of formulas, like one, this AOR one seems to be talking about how it helps improve libido, but it also helps with the effects of erectile dysfunction. Um, And uh, also just improve libido and desire for both males and females. And there was that's AOR but then also Cytomatrix. I used one for a client of mine and I think it was formerly TestoMatrix and then they changed the name now to Saffron Matrix and it's ashwagandha which has been studied to improve testosterone and it's saffron and zinc and mm-hmm. he did report after like cuz we checked in like a month or two later cuz I was like let's give it some time to take effect mm-hmm. and he did notice uh Like enough, a significant, and he was happy with the results of improved libido, um, and just like sexual potency and health and stuff, according to him. So, that was my first time using saffron, um, and it was for that instance. And and this gentleman had a very happy review. You won't forget it.
0: You won't forget it. Yeah, when it comes to uh sexual function and things like that, there's a few things. At least, like I guess I have more uh experience talking to some men about it, but I would be thinking about blood flow. Yeah. In some cases, I'd be thinking, and so if someone's like diabetic and got endothelial dysfunction and high uh, homocysteine, then you got to be thinking about blood flow, perhaps something different than than uh, saffron in my, yeah. f- f- so what I would think about if there's something to do with more neurological or anxiety or mood mm-hmm. that's related to the dysfunction, then I would I would be putting saffron higher on, on that list.
1: Yeah, we did a due diligence to ensure other like- I's were dotted and T's were crossed and checking labs and to see if his testosterone were testosterone was a little bit on the lower end and giving him Do you some remember? But I, but I, I believe it was a little bit on the lower end. Yeah. This is several months back now, but that's, but I also like that there was the testosterone and then the zinc as well for that reason. And zinc it wasn't just, yeah, it just wasn't about the ED though. It was about the testosterone, the libido and him feeling like strong and, and, you mm-hmm. know, um, so, so, But, but, but it wasn't, but it wasn't wasn't without like, how's your cholesterol, right? How's your blood sugar? Are you exercising? What like we did all that. And then it was, he was like, can we fine tune this last area? And that's kind of where we went to, I would never just jump to this right from the get go without observing those other things, just for the record for anyone out there.
0: And then uh, there's so much more to like sexual function, of course, of course, like relationship uh, status, you know, respect. Um, And I, I would argue that in this day and age, there's kind of um, I think I think some men are are struggling more than they'd like to admit being men in a yeah. time when. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately,
1: yeah. men don't seek out health care. Yeah,
0: exactly. Not and a lot of
1: naturopaths are females and they're probably not going to like that's why I applauded this man being like, you want to talk yeah, to me about cool. this? awesome like good for you sir um because not a lot of them are willing to to have those types of discussions in general whether it's a male or a female physician right so um i wanted to be able to support him um and he was happy cool but but yeah but it's true it's not it's not something that's always going to come up on but it does require a deeper discussion about a bunch of other moving parts.
0: Yeah. And another one that came up, I was just thinking about when you said low testosterone, I'm like, you know, when you, when do you make your testosterone when you're sleeping, that's when you make the most testosterone. <laughs> so like, I've talked that's to true. a few yes. guys about it. I'm like, if you don't sleep properly, man, you're not going to, you're not going to wake up with a, with a hard one. You know, you, <laughs> you got to You got to sleep properly. If you want to have the high, hard one,
1: and, you know, the, sleep is genius. I said it. Sleep is key. That's where everything gets revitalized and regenerated. You're not, people are always like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I was like, that might come sooner than you think. That's, That's But but terrible. people but I don't mean true. that. I don't say it out loud, but people are always like, oh, I'll just sleep when I'm dead And I was like, what about the quality of your life while you're here on this earth? Like yeah,
0: yeah. but I, I think a key with sleep, and, and like I have to admit, Michelle, that I was an absolute bonehead about sleep until I was too probably until I read Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep. Hmm. And I knew it was like it's important, but I was also um I was also thinking of sleep grossly on the big level as the absence of doing rather than the presence of doing something very yin restorative, whatever that then follow your yin yang, the restorative yin turns into a healthy yang, you know, like you, you got to invest in sleep so that you invest in a better tomorrow. It's not the absence of doing things. That's, I think that was a Western, I don't know if that's like the Western world, like I'll sleep when I'm dead. The assumption is it's the absence of doing anything and sleep sleep architecture sleep is a very active
1: it's not not doing anything exactly there's there's so much happening that is essential for your body to be able to show up for you the next day but it's so funny i had this conversation with a client i want to get back to saffron but i did have this conversation with a client she was like there's this weird culture where it's almost like a badge of honor to be busy yep and that's not we need to, we need to nip that in the bud and people don't know how to actively rest. Resting is, you know, staying up and watching Netflix till all ends of the night. And then you're still not getting good sleep, but people feel like they just need that moment to decompress because the day was so charged. And I get that, but we have to find better options. Otherwise this world is just going to continue to get sicker. And it, and it, and it already, it just keeps doing that every decade. It's just like Chronic diseases exponentially just keep increasing. It's wild. And, you know, at some point we all have to be like, let's address the pink elephant in the room. We're not treating our bodies well, period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No medicine is going to, no pharmaceutical is going to replace good quality sleep, good nutrition, good hydration, happiness and joy and connections with the people you have in your life. Like no pharmaceutical or even nutraceutical is going to do that
0: but the closest one I can think of
1: saffron no (laughs) Uh, nailed it (laughs) totally yeah but saffron's pretty cool and I think the other things like we did talk about the neurological effects but I think just highlighting again the antioxidant effects the Myriad of things that that antioxidant effect is going to touch and have a benefit on is pretty incredible. Cardiovascular health, cancer, cancer care, you know, diabetes, and like, it's just, it's pretty incredible. So I don't want to just gloss over that because I think that's a really big that's a big burden on modern day society is just oxidative damage from like pollution and toxic debris and crappy foods and the oxidative load in our body is something that we need to be mindful of. There was also something interesting that could promote satiety and weight loss, which I think would probably pique people's interest too. And there were some studies showing that, uh, after a couple of months versus a placebo, people who were given the saffron extract reported like a decrease in snacking and an increased loss in weight. So they were able to support their metabolic health a little bit better. So there's some really interesting things coming down the pipeline, I think about this. Um, It's also got interesting types of nutrient profiles, like it's a good source of magnesium and manganese and vitamin C. So there are other it's just seems to be really great. It's just gosh darn expensive. So I wonder, like, I I can't remember what the price of any of these supplements are, if they were asked. It's not prohibitive.
0: I just, I just ordered some for the uh, dispensary today. It's not prohibitive.
1: But I wonder if it's because they're doing an extract. And when you do like an ethanol or something extract, I think you can just then you, you expand the volume um, from the herb and be able to use it well,
0: I did write this thing from one of the studies. They did do um, they compared the effectiveness of the stigma and the petal, and discovered no significant difference between them in whatever metric they were looking at. Mm. So there might be some uh, <clears throat> things where they don't need just the the fine little stigma. Right. They might actually be able to to use uh, the more uh, you know the mass of of other aspects of the of the plant, which is pretty cool too.
1: That's cool. I mm-hmm. did also find something where. Um, there were some studies or more recently, um, results, the use of saffron in clinical trials and numerous studies have been conducted to assess its possible toxicity and high amounts. It's been used in cooking for like eons now that I feel like you'd have to consume probably a wild amount for it to have toxic. I think effect. you
0: said five grams or something, didn't you? Right. But this is going to be says, poor by the time it, you do that. Yeah, seriously.
1: It does talk about that there was animal and in vitro studies to show that, like there were there were no nothing to suggest it would have any kind of toxicity it just it does say high doses of saffron should be avoided during pregnancies quantities of more than five grams far greater than that that was ever be used in food can act as a uterine stimulant and abortification but who's going to be eating that much that you'd be breaking the bank man yeah exactly (laughs) exactly so and but you can
0: bathe in it apparently
1: yeah like cleopatra yeah yeah I'd like to, you know what? I want to get my Cleopatra on. (laughs) I want to bathe in some saffron. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I wonder if they will stain me orange like Francis Ashwagandha with his turmeric baths. I wonder if there's the same.
0: Why don't we um, leave all of our listeners with the image of uh, me bathing in Noah saffron milk bath. Sorry, a
1: saffron milk bath. You're right. Yeah. Please don't have that image of me in your head, you guys. I don't think that's necessary to leave our audience with that.
0: Well, we just did that. So again, thanks so much uh, for listening uh, this week. Again, I'm very excited to start taking saffron um, because I I think I need it. And uh, there's a good chance a lot of you need it too, if you're a bit wired. So Michelle, thanks for being a great co-host again this week.
1: My pleasure, sir. Have a great week, everyone.